morning. Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24. We'll read the text and then we'll go back and see what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. A new walk for a new life. Let's look beginning at verse number 17. He says, This I say therefore, and you've heard me say this, that anytime you see that word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. That usually it's pointing you back to what he's already said. So this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Notice it says you've not learned about Christ, but you've not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Father, I ask you today to anoint me and help me to say what you would have me to say in this place. And I ask that you open the hearts and ears of the people that they would receive what you would have them to receive. God, move in this place today and have your way. Let your will be done. And for all that you do, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. A new walk for a new life. When we were born again, a transformation took place in our life. That when God saved us, when we put our faith in Jesus, God made us brand new. That we weren't refurbished, we were remade. Amen? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if Anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That the old life is gone and a new life has come. You are a new creation. You're a new man. You're a new woman. And the old man and the old woman have passed away. You see, salvation isn't a matter of, an, of improvement on what previously existed. God didn't just make you better. He made you new. He transformed your life. You see, the New Testament speaks of believers as having a new mind, a new will, a new heart, a new power, a new righteousness, a new love, a new citizenship, and so many other new things, all of which are summed up in newness of life. You see, as believers, we have a new identity. We have a new life. And in the passage that we read this morning, Paul is telling us that we're to walk in a way that is different from the world around us. He's telling us that we've been called to a new walk for our new life. And so this morning I want to share with you four things that are necessary for our new walk. The first thing I want you to notice as we look at this text is this. If we're going to walk this new walk that comes with our new life, it's this. Don't imitate the world. Don't imitate the world. Now that seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? 
It seems that I shouldn't have to say to us who are believers that if we're going to have this new walk that goes along with a new life, that we shouldn't have to imitate the world, that we shouldn't have to imitate the lost people around us. But that's the very first thing that Paul mentions in this text. He tells us that the first step to living the new life you have in Christ, that the first step to living a godly life, a righteous life, is to stop imitating the people of the world. Look at verse 17 again. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. The first thing he says is stop acting like the people around you. Based on who you are in Christ, based on what God has done for you, based on the new life and the new identity you have, stop walking like everybody else around you. As I said, you would think you wouldn't have to tell believers that, but yet that's what Paul says. Don't imitate the world. Why do you think Paul would say that to believers? People that are saved, people that have put their faith in Jesus. I believe because just like them, that we struggle with the same thing. That we're living in a day of tolerance. We're living in a day of acceptance. We're living in a day where we try to put both one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And we try to have it both ways. And Paul wants us to know you can't have it both ways. Now you've got to stop living like the world when you step into the kingdom of God. Amen? In verses 17 through 19, Paul, he begins to lay out the differences between the saved and the unsaved. And he wants us to take notice of those distinctions. And he wants us to say to to us that you can't live like that anymore. Notice he talks about six different problems that plague the lost. He tells us, first of all, they have confusion in their thinking. He says the lost are hopelessly confused. He says they walk in the futility of their mind. They walk in the vanity of their mind. In other words, the lost live empty lives because their minds are corrupted by sin that dwells within them. You see, the thoughts of a lost person are corrupted by evil and corrupted by wickedness. The lost think of ways to serve the flesh. They come up with ways to serve this old wicked body and they think of ways to serve themselves and to give in to sin. He also tells us in verse 18 that they're darkened in their understanding. The New Living Translation says they're full of darkness. That means they're spiritually blind. They're unable to see. They can't grasp God. They can't understand God. They live in a continual state of spiritual darkness and ignorance toward the things of God. He tells us that they're dead in sin. That they're alienated from the life of God. That they're unresponsive to the things of God. That they're spiritually dead and they're doomed to eternal death. He also tells us that they're hard-hearted. It says in the text in verse 18 that he speaks of the blindness of their heart. That word blindness, it refers to stubbornness or callousness. The New Living Translation says that they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him, referring to God. You see, the lost, they've been confronted with the truth, but they won't embrace the truth. They won't accept the truth. 
And so when it talks about the blindness of their heart or the hardening of their heart, basically what it's saying, they've heard God call out to him, but they've ignored him so long that they no longer hear his voice anymore. You hear me today? There is a place that you can get to, that you cross a line, that once you cross that line, you can never go back again. That you can harden your heart to a point to where you become hardened to God. And that's where a lot of lost people are. They've hardened their heart so much to where... They no longer hear God. They no longer hear the voice of the Spirit. They no longer feel the convicting of the Holy Ghost. That is a dangerous place to be. But he also tells us that they're reckless in their living. You see, because they are dead, he says in verse 19, they are past feeling. Some translations say they have no sense of shame. That phrase, being past feeling, means they've lost their sense of pain. In other words, they're no longer bothered in their conscience about the things they do. They can sin, but they're not bothered by it. There's no sensitivity toward the wrong they do. Sin becomes more and more acceptable, and so they just live a life of open sin. They have the attitude that I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whomever I want to do it, and I don't care who really cares about it. They're past feeling. No shame in their game whatsoever. Just look around at the world and you'll see that's where a lot of people are. Right? Past feeling. No shame given over to lasciviousness, to lewdness, to all kinds of promiscuity. No shame whatsoever. They flaunt their sin is the day we're living in. Amen? Which leads me to the sixth thing that he says. They, They indulge in every kind of impurity. Paul says the lost work all uncleanness with greediness. That word uncleanness, it means to be dirty and filthy, to be infested with every kind of unclean, immoral, dirty, and polluted behavior. It refers to the most immoral behavior imaginable. Basically, it's unbridled lust turned loose. The idea here is that the lost person works hard at his sinning. He does his best to be as bad as he can be. And notice that he says he does it with greediness. That his appetite for sin is never satisfied. That he sins and he keeps on sinning. Why? Because he has a continual desire for more. He's greedy. He's like a junkie looking for another fix. Just given to his sin. And can't ever be satisfied with it. Paul says that's how the lost, the unsaved are. And Paul says, you're not supposed to live like that anymore. They're messed up in their mind. They're messed up in their thinking. They're messed up in their heart. And Paul says, you no longer live like that. You're no longer in the darkness. You're no longer, uh, you're no longer rejecting the truth. You've come to know the truth. Your life's been changed. And so no longer walk like the people around you. There's been a difference in your life. So don't walk like them anymore. Don't imitate them anymore. Don't copy their ways anymore. You see, if you're going to have a new walk for your new life, you've got to stop copying the people of the world. You see, we've been changed. The Spirit of God lives in us. And we can't walk such a walk. 
See, on the basis of who we are in Christ, we're to be distinctly different from the world. As new creatures in Christ, we can't be motivated by the flesh any longer. We've got to live for Him and can no longer follow the ways of this world. So that's the first thing. Don't imitate the world. But the second thing He tells us, if you're going to live out this new life and walk this new walk, is you have to put off the old man. You have to put off the old man. Look at verse 22. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You see, we were born with a sinful nature. We were born with a bent towards sin. That's the old man. That's the old self. But when God saved us, we received a new nature. We received a new man. You see, when we put our faith in Christ, we were delivered from the old man, and the old man has been put off. You see, the old man's been put to death. It was crucified with Christ. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live, but it's no longer I, but it's Christ who lives in me. So there is a sense in which the old man has been put off, and the old man is dead, and the old man no longer has power over us, and sin no longer masters us. Here's what Paul says in Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And then look what he says in Romans 6, 11. He says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he says very plainly there that the old man has been crucified. We've been freed from sin and dead to the power of sin. That we're alive unto God. But guess what? You and I still struggle with temptation and sin. Why? Because even though the old man has been put off, the old man still is tempted to look, taste, and experience sin. It's as though there's two you's and there's two me's. The old one and the new one. And whichever one you feed will determine who wins. Amen? And so Paul says here in Ephesians, you've got to put off the old man. Let me explain it this way. You see, positionally, the old man has been put off because of faith in Jesus. But practically, every day of my life, I've got to put him off. You see, my faith in Jesus put him off and he's dead. But every day as I live my life, I've got to make decisions to put him off. I've got to make choices. That when old habits and old sins and old attitudes and old activities start trying to creep up in my life, i got to say, no, the old man is dead and I'm no longer that man. I don't give in to him. Because he still comes along and tries to rule my life. But he's been put off and i got to keep putting him off. 
Because that phrase put off, it means to strip away. It's the idea of taking off an old dirty garment. But the reason we struggle sometimes to live the Christian life is because we keep wanting to put on the old dirty garment of sin. When you need to just take it off and make sure it stays off. Amen? That's why some people seem to take some steps forward and they keep taking steps back. It's because they keep putting on the old dirty garment that's been thrown off. You need to just make sure it stays off. You've got to do away with those habits and sins that characterize your old way of living. Because here's the thing, when God saved us, God delivered us from an old sinful lifestyle. And God delivered us from old habits that we used to have. But the old man wants to try to enslave you again into those things that God delivered you from. It's getting quiet here this morning. But here's the thing, how many of you know that the old man tries to bring up things from your past and tries to put those things back on you again? That's why you've got to keep putting them off. You've got to keep saying no to him because here's the thing. He'll try to bring up that lust again. He'll try to bring up that addiction again. He'll try to bring up that, that thing you think you've been done away with for so long. He'll keep trying to throw that back on you. But you've got to say, no, I'm no longer that man. I'm no longer that woman. And you've got to throw it off. And you have to do this daily. say it this way, to, to daily put off the old man, to daily deal with that old sinful nature, you've got to learn how to practice repentance. You see, repentance isn't just something you do at the moment you got saved and never practice again. Repentance is supposed to be something we do our entire Christian lives. But we turn our back on sin. Martin Luther said this in the first of his 95 theses on, that, that, that started the Protestant Reformation. He said this, the entire life of believers is to be one of repentance. It's an ongoing activity in the life of a Christian. You'll always be putting off the old man. And listen, if you're, and, and let me, I'll say this, if you're not constantly putting him off, he's going to win. And let me say this, I, I'm not talking about whether or not you're going to hell, but he's going to win. Be on your way to heaven, but yet you look like a lost man. Because the old man wins. Because Paul said in Romans 7, I know the things I ought to do, but I don't do them. Why? He said, it's no longer I that do them, but it's sin that dwells in me. Paul was a saved man. He said, it's no longer I that do it, it's sin that dwells in me. Because there's a part of us that's been redeemed. That wants to do right, Brother Tommy. There's still this old fleshly body, that, that old man that he's trying to win. So again, positionally, it's been put off, but in my day-to-day living, I've got to make some decisions to put him off. Listen to these verses. Romans 6, 12, 13. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That you should obey its lust. Don't let it rain there. You've you got to do something with it. You, Barney 5, nip it in the bud. Verse 13, and do not present your members as instruments of right. In other words, he, he's saying you've you got to be involved in this. Listen, let me say this. We are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved 
by works. We don't obtain it through anything we do. Well, listen to me. We have a part in putting off this old man. We're saved and, and it's put off, but daily if we're going to live the victorious, successful life, we've got to put this old man off. He says plainly, don't present your members, don't present your body as members of un, uh, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Others don't give yourself to sin. Isn't that what he says? But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Give yourself to God. Who you give yourself to determines who you serve. And so every day we've got to reject temptation and decide I'm not going to participate in sin. Daily we've got to say no to the old man. Puritan John Owen, he said it this way. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. I like that. And it's true. Either you will be killing sin or sin will be killing you. So you've got to put off the old self. But thirdly, you've got to renew your mind. You can't live the new life if you don't renew your mind. You still have the old thinking that you've always had. You can't live the new life. So look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's all about thinking in different ways. Thinking in new ways. Now here's the thing. When God saved us, He changed our minds. He changed our thinking. Do you notice when we read verses 17 through 19, it was a lot of it had to do with our understanding and our thinking and how lost people can't think right? They're confused. They're darkened in their understanding. They walk according to the vanity of their mind. Their, their minds are messed up. Right? That, that, that's why the first step of turning to God has to do with repentance. The basic meaning of repentance is to have a change of attitude in your mind. You've got to change what you think about God. Change what you think about Jesus. That's the basic meaning of repentance. A change of your attitude and a change of your thinking. And so he says here, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so when God saves us, He changes our minds. But if we're going to continue to grow and continue to change the direction of our life, we've got to continue to change our thinking. There has to be a continual renewing of the mind. You see, the Christian life begins in the mind. As I said, it begins with repentance. It begins in a change of the mind. And so when the thinking is changed, the life is changed. You see, when our mind is set on things above rather than things here below, our lives will follow in the direction of our mind. Our lives will go in the right direction. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your what mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul says right there that our lives are transformed when? When our minds are renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let me say it this way. If you can get your mind right, your life will be right. If you can get your thinking right, your life will be right. You see, our thinking is what gets us on the right path. 
or puts us on the path of trouble. And so if the mind is right, the rest of your life will follow the course set by the mind. And so we've got to be decisive and take control of the mind. You've heard me say before that the battle is won or lost in the mind. We've got to renew our minds. Well, how do we renew our minds? It takes the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It takes both. The Spirit of God will use the Word of God to transform our mind and renew our mind. So what does that mean? That means we have to make a decision to read the Word of God. Because without any Word, the Holy Spirit can't do any renewing. It takes both. And what is what happens when our minds are renewed? Well, we're, we're changed, we're transformed, but you can also prove, discern, test, know what the will of God is. How many would like to know what the will of God is? Well, you've got to have a renewed mind. I just wish I knew what God would have me to do, how, what, what, how God would want me to walk, how God would want me to live. Well, get your mind, mind renewed. And you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But you've got to make a decision to read the Word and let the Holy Spirit go to work. Amen? But let me give you this fourth thing. Don't imitate the world. Put off the old man. Renew your mind, but put on the new man. You see, we often think it's enough if I just put off the old man. But Paul says you still got to put on the new man. That's what he says in verse, I think it's 24. That you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, just like we replace our old thoughts with new thoughts, we also replace our old garments with new ones. So you've got to take off the old garment of sin and you've got to put on the new garment of holiness. The new man is what a believer is in Christ. It's the new creation where old things are passed away and all things have become new. Now, just as when we put our faith in Christ, the old man is put off, there's a sense in which we have already put on the new man. You see, when you believed in Jesus, you become a new creation. You become a new creature in Christ. But just like the putting off of the old man, there has to be an intentional daily putting on of the new man. You see, when we are saved, we put on the new man. But daily, you still got to put on the new man. You got to put on some new clothes. Amen? That, that, that means you've got to allow the new man to govern your, your activities and attitudes. That means you've got to have some new garments. I, I, I didn't give you this, and I, I debated whether or not to put these references in here, but let me, let me read these to you. Colossians chapter... Colossians chapter... Three. Let me show you what the not on the screen, but write this reference now. Colossians three, verse twelve through fourteen. Let me show you what our new garments ought to be. 
I, I preached a message from this one time. I believe it was new clothes for a new man. You know they say clothes make the man. I preached a message, new clothes for a new man. He says, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And notice verse 14. But above, all, but, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of affection. You see, it's not enough to put off anger. I need to put on love. You see, some people think, well, I've put off the old man, I've put off the anger, but here's the thing, now you need to put on love. Well, preacher, I've put off the bitterness. Well, that's good. Now you need to put on some forgiveness. I've put off the lust. Well, that's good. Now put on some self-control. I've put off the bad temper. That's good. Now I've put on some patience. You see, it's not enough just to put off the old. You've got you to put on the new. And again, it's all the work of God's grace in us. all the work of God's Spirit in us. But you've got you to put on some things when you put off the things. Because here's the thing. You, you can't put on the new man until you put off the old man. You've got to deal with the old self before you can put on the new self. And again, the reason so many believers are struggling to live the Christian life is because we're trying to put on the new, new garments over the old garments. And it don't work that way. Rather than throwing off the old garments and totally eradicating ourselves of the old garments, we're trying to put on the new over the old. And it has to be out with the old and in with the new. There has to be a break from the past. And I understand why we do it sometimes because the old garments is so natural to wear them. Is it not? It, it, it's, listen, the old garments of sin, they're so comfortable. Because we, that's how we live for so long. It's comfortable to put on my unforgiveness and my bitterness. It's so comfortable to walk around in my lust and my anger. But so many times we wanted to try to put on the new garments. And don't deal with the old. You can't live that way. Paul's saying to us, you've got a new life. You've got to deal with the old, put on the new, and you've got to live like you knew. Basically, Paul is telling us that it's an all, it, listen, this is an all or nothing deal. You've got to break free from the past completely and totally. He says the new man is going to manifest itself in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to close this morning and I want to say this that when it comes to putting on the new man you've got to make that decision to do it every day of your life. You've got to get up and you've got to pray God help me put on the new man. You've got to get up and, help and pray God help me to go out and be who you created me to be. Because that's what the new man's all about. It's about going out and being who you were saved to be. Going out living the life you were created to live. 
go in closing. Paul's saying to us, you've been changed. So walk like you've been changed. You've been given a new life, so live like you have a new life. Put off the old, renew your mind, and put on the new. You have a new walk for your new life, so walk it out. You've got a new walk for your new life, it's time for us to walk it out. Stand with me.